Yo. Welcome to the Autumn Miles Show. Autumn is a best-selling author, popular speaker, and wife who is obsessed with her husband and four crazy kids. She is also the CEO of the Autumn Miles Ministry, as well as a lipstick and lash enthusiast. Autumn's vision is to speak to the culture with bold truth and challenge you to act in raw faith. Here's Autumn Miles. Hey, it's Autumn Miles with the Autumn Miles Show. How are you doing out there in North Texas? We love you guys so much. Um, I just want to say thank you for all of you that listen along. I am continually shocked by the number of you guys that approach me at Starbucks and um, Home Depot, Dan? Home Depot. Isn't that crazy? They hear my voice and they're like, wait, where is she at? This blonde chick, she's somewhere in here. Um, I'm, I'm just continually overwhelmed by you. Thank you so much for uh, your loyalty, your faithfulness to listen to my loud voice every single day. I, it, is, it, it really overwhelms us because um, it takes an army to pull this thing off. We are we just we just love you guys so much. I want to remind you why you're listening to the show. OK, um, when we started three and a half years ago at this point, Dan, can you believe that three and a half years ago? Um, there was a clear mandate for me to share bold truth, the truth of God's word and God's word alone, coupled with raw faith. We had someone on the show last week, Andy Andrew, and she was talking about fake faith. And that's one of the reasons why we had her on the show, because in our Christian culture, we can package things that look like they are this um, huge step of faith, but really we're controlling them. We know what's going to happen. And it's just sort of a, a, a mask that we're wearing, telling people that we're stepping out in faith. Um, I, I need to see Joshua's that walk around Jericho's that are believing for uh, God's word alone to happen. I want to see Moses's that are standing freaked out at the Red Sea with staff in hand saying, God, if your word doesn't come through, I don't know what I'm going to do. So that is why we are doing this show. Every guest that we have, everything that I share is filtered through that one filter of bold truth, because that is what is, is, is what we can cling to in times of trouble, in times of adversity, in times of trial. And I want to challenge you to raw faith. Um, sometimes I feel like we just need to put the vision from the people. Do you know what I'm saying, Dan? Um, and that's 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 one of the reasons why we're here and why we've continued and I will continue until God tells me to shop. To shop. <laughs> he most definitely going to tell me to shop, to stop. Um, and this guest that I have today is right in line with that bold truth. It's one of the reasons why we booked him. We don't just book random people because they release books or they're whatever. We 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 book people that are right in line with this uh, vision. I want you guys to welcome to my show today. His name is Shane Pruitt. Now he has done a lot of things. Um, I have his bio right in front of me. Is your wife's name Casey or Cassie? It's Casey. Casey. Okay. So he's married. He has two kids. He um, is is he's a blogger. He writes books. He's a church planner. He works with the Southern Baptist convention. And he wrote a book that is going to, I think, enlighten you maybe um, called Nine Common Lies Christians Believe. I love it so much. I can't even handle it right now. Welcome to the show, Shane. How are you? Thank you so much, Autumn. I am doing great. And it's an honor to be on. What it's, a privilege. It's an honor to have you on. <laughs> I, I am obsessed with this book, with the message of this book. 
because I mean, I grew up in the church. My dad was a Baptist preacher. He, you know, I was born in 1980. So I was basically born in the nursery mm-hmm. while they were singing in the choir. Okay. So a, a lot of these lies that you talk about in this book, I heard from someone in our church at one time or another. And it wasn't until I started my own relationship with Christ that I was like, what have I believed? This whole time, I've not believed truth. I've not gone to God's word. I've gone to these nuances that sound good and they make you feel good in the moment, but they're lies. Okay. Nine lies, nine common lives Christian believes. Why'd you write the book, Shane? Yeah, great question. Well, you know, the topic of the book, basically the 10,000 foot view is this, is that there are one-liners, cliches that we, for lack of a better term, have adopted into the church, baptized them, and made them a part of our vernacular. (laughs) And so it's things like follow your heart, believe in yourself. God won't give you more than you can handle. If a loved one dies, God gains another angel. And really this book is an overflow of our own story, Autumn. You know, uh, like you said, I'm married to a wonderful wife named Casey. I'm married way, way over my head. (laughs) That is a picture of God's grace. I love it. And uh, we have five kids that are 12 and under. That is a prayer request, all right? (laughs) So, uh, Yeah, our oldest two are biological daughters. And then we have a six-year-old son who's adopted from Uganda. We have a three-year-old son named Elliot who's adopted from Texas. And then a 21-month-old named Glory who's also adopted from Texas. Where in Texas? Yeah, so our son is from West Texas area, like the Snyder, Texas area. Yeah. And then our daughter is from Grapevine. Yeah. Really? Uh Uh-huh. Because, I mean, all the listeners know that we've adopted two kids, and -hmm. and my son was born in Houston. Wow, yeah. And my daughter was born in Jackson, Mississippi. Oh, yeah. So that's so cool. Yeah, definitely. So you did international, and you did domestic adoption. Exactly. Okay, and five. I have four. You have five. (laughs) Now I feel like I shouldn't complain so much about four kids. It is real. Yeah. It's like, it is a prayer request for me, too. It is. I know. We tell people, you know, when you have two kids, you can still play man-on-man defense. When it goes above two, that's zone defense then you know well, yeah. someone with four kids told me one time that one kid the ease of one kid is wasted on people that only have one kid and i'm like that's not true because we just had one and a half kids at the time and now i have four and i'm like wiser words could never be spoken it's, oh it's yeah real. no doubt it's real yes yeah, yeah. okay no sorry we just had a little bonding moment on yeah. having nine kids yes. between us yeah and that's, it's totally different for yeah. me because i was an only child growing up yeah yeah and so my dad tells me all the time those five grandbabies of his are god's gift to him for not killing me, you know, <laughs> especially in those rebellious teenage years, you know, because I, I didn't become it. a Christian until I was 21. So the okay. first 21 years of my life, I was building my testimony. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. You're totally building it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Me too. Yep. So you adopted two uh-huh. from Texas, one from Uganda. Yes. Yeah. And so this book is really the overflow of our story from adoption, you know, especially our six-year-old son. He has cerebral palsy, epilepsy, seizure disorder. He's been with us for six years. Um, he's had 12 surgeries during that time, um, oh my in and goodness. out of the hospital constantly, doctor's visits, therapy visits, battles with insurance, mm. you know, and through that very well-meaning people will say, um, you know, God won't give you more than you can handle. Or you know what the Bible says? God won't give you more than you can handle. And I think it's well-intentioned people and just kind of through our journey of, uh, coming to a place where, uh, we were struggling because mm-hmm. there's no kind of struggle and suffering, like watching your child suffer. No. And there came a time where we just broke and said, you know what, this is more than we can handle, mm-hmm. but it's not more than God can handle through us. And so we returned back to the basics of our faith, the basics of our truth. And what's interesting, Autumn, is as we were taking that journey, we were pastors, you know, mm-hmm. we, sh- we knew better, 
But on the inside, we were struggling. On the outside, we had to put it like we were all together. And then we came to a point where we returned back to the basics of our faith because sometimes the best way to move forward is to return back to God's truth mm-hmm. that we already know but start living that. And got honest with our story, got transparent with our stories, transparent with our struggles. And what was amazing is we just saw the people around us begin to get honest and transparent with their stories as mm-hmm. well. And so then we began to make a list. What are some others? God won't give you more than can handle. What are some other one-liners like that that we tend to say um, that aren't necessarily biblically true? And that's how this list came together and how this book came together. Okay, so the adoption process, mm-hmm. no joke. Yeah. Like I, I, I mean, I, I was married to an abusive man mm. for seven years that mm. got divorced. The church actually kicked me out mm. Just to let you know a little bit of my, mm-hmm. my, my story. Oh my and I'm telling you what, that was at 22 <laughs> building mm-hmm. my testimony, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um, which God has used by his grace and for his glory. Yeah. But the adoption process, I mean, Satan is so against it. Yeah. It is anything that God's for Satan is against, which I'm sure you guys have seen. No doubt. So you you wanted to you felt the call to adopt, right? Yep. And did you feel the call to adopt internationally first? We did. Okay. We did. Yeah. <clears throat> and and I can't explain besides just God's will why we both Your son said, was there. Yeah. International adoption. Uh we both my wife and I have a heart for Africa. Uh, we still go to Uganda or the Congo every year. In fact, later in the year, I went this past fall, later in the year, my wife and our oldest daughter will go Aww. and we minister there. So we, we love Africa. We have a heart for Africa. And uh, for some reason, we just believe that's where God told us to adopt first. And so our yes was on the table and we took that journey. But it was interesting, Autumn. I love it. And it was such a great life lesson. And this is such a really a sermon illustration for lack of a better term is when we were going through the adoption process, as you know, this, there's a lot of paperwork to fill out. There's uh, trainings to do and all those things. Well, one of the pieces of paper that we had to fill out for the international adoption process is literally a checklist where you check yes and no to things you're open to Mm. and not open to. Right. And what's interesting is a lot of the things we check no on, just being honest of who we were seven years ago, we check no a lot. Mm. And uh, many of the things that we check no on are the very things our son has and struggles with. So it's almost like God's like, yeah, fill out your little checklist. See how that works out for you. (laughs) Because I have a plan that's bigger and better and exceedingly better and more abundant than your plan for yourself. I feel like this is so real, Mm. okay? Because we adopted both of our kids in 2015, 10 weeks apart. Wow. Waited for three and a half years. It is such a God story, Shane. I can't Mm. even do it. We don't have time to talk about it. Wow. But I was a traveling evangelist. I mean, I've written books. Mm -hmm. I've done the whole thing. And... There was, uh, we, we actually got scammed by a, a birth mm-hmm. mom that was pregnant with twins. Mm-hmm. It rocked me Yeah, because I was like, God, I have been so faithful to you. Yeah. I have been so faithful. And now here you, it's all, it, was, it almost felt as if God was mean in the moment. Mm-hmm. And I'm just being transparent. That's what the show is about. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course God came in and blew my mind with yep. restoring but you said yourself, you were a pastor, you're doing ministry. You're like, you know, uh, for lack of a better term, like Christians on crack. I mean, mm-hmm. like you're like super, super Christians here. And this rocked you. Can you just be authentic and talk yeah. to me about that moment where you were like, what is happening here? Yeah. So I tell this story in the introduction of the book where I think like the breaking moment was literally I'm in my backyard and it's kind of one of those things. Same thing. God. 
You almost give him your resume. God, I did this for you and yes. did this like God doesn't know, right? Like, God, here's my resume. Yes, I gave you yeah, those opportunities. And I just got ticked and I got angry and I picked up a flower pot. I don't know why. this And, and had a tinter, I had a mm. temper tantrum was mm. what I did. I picked up this flower pot and just slammed it down and mm. busted it in a thousand pieces. And as I look up, here is my neighbor. In the back behind us in the alleyway, staring at me. And this is the guy that I've ministered to and like is in our church and I pray with and I'm leading him and he's looking at me throwing a fit. And uh, I'll never forget, he's like, Shane, is everything okay? And I'm That's like, real. Oh, yeah, yeah, man. I was just joking around. And like, I couldn't even be honest <laughs> yeah. in the midst of my temper tantrum. And I'm like, man, what is this? Like, because the only one who matters is the Lord and he knows, mm -hmm. he knows what's going on in your heart. And so when we finally got honest and real about it, it was amazing how the people around us and the people of the church, you know, at that time I was pastoring a church now serve churches, working with the convention and travel and speak at that time. Um, we just saw our church almost go to a whole nother level because yeah. people in our church got honest and real about their struggles because their pastors and leaders started getting real. I think that transparency yeah, is so is. important. Mm -hmm. I mean, I we serve at a church where our, pa our pastors are very transparent and there is just like, wow, they're just like me. It's like yeah. reading about Moses in the Bible, how he struggled. It's like, oh my goodness, he's just like me. Yeah. You know, it, 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 there's something about there. Okay, let's get to the lies because I'm obsessed with this. Um, I just, I, I know that, you know, here we see Genesis 1, we see in Genesis mm -hmm. how the serp serpent deceives Eve. This is the way mm. Satan gets to us. It's not new, people. No. It is the same way, but you have to be able to identify how he is lying to you. And there sometimes there's truth mixed up in those lies, right? Sure. Um, yeah. he, he, he'll do whatever it takes in order to get to you. Let's talk about these lies. I, I want to talk about, um, oh, goodness. What, you, you pick one first, and then I'll go, because I have my favorite one. All right, great. Yeah, how about, um, I'll throw this one out. How about follow your heart? Follow your heart. <laughs> so we see yes. it, right? We see it on T-shirts with, uh, you know, glitter on it. We see it on coffee <laughs> mugs. We see it on, <laughs> on desktop computers, screensavers with roses in the background. Follow your heart. Follow your heart. And the reason I picked that one is really all nine of these lies uh, really originate with the original lie that mm. you brought up. Right. Mm. You go back to the Garden of Eden. Here's Eve. Here comes the serpent. Right. Which we know is Satan. And then he begins to tempt, to tempt her. And so he, first of all, he questions God. Did God say? So he's questioning the God's word, right? Did and then God he gets, really yeah. say? And then she responds, and then he calls God a liar. And then here's the great temptation, right? Most people say, well, it was eating the apple. First of all, we don't even know if it's an apple. It yeah. says fruit, right? Right. But the great temptation, the fruit was really just the process of the great temptation. The great temptation was this, where he says, God doesn't want you to eat of the tree of the knowledge and evil, because in the day you do, you will be like God. Mm. That's the great temptation, right? You don't need God. Be your own God. And it's almost like you could take all the things our culture values today and put them right in Satan's mouth as the temptation, right? Eve, don't listen to God. Be your own God. Eve, it's your life. Do with it what you want. Mm. Eve, follow your heart. Eve, believe in yourself. Eve, follow Eve, your dreams. Yeah, yeah, follow, yeah. what's your yeah. gut telling you? Yeah. Eve, to each their own, right? You could almost throw them all in there. So all of these lies spring up from the original lie. When Adam and Eve rebelled against God, it's because they wanted to be God. And, and it's yeah. like people push back on this. Mm. And so when someone says, follow your heart, what would be the truth that backs up the, the you know, just follow your heart? What What is the truth? Yeah. And so because of the original lie, because of the fall, we are born with our heart really messed up. 
Jeremiah yeah. seventeen nine says that. Right? I got a three and a four year old, so I totally I'm tracking yes. with you right yeah, there. No doubt. They were born into sin. <laughs> yeah, you know? that's right. Yeah, that's right. And so you think of what even Jeremiah says: the heart is deceitful, wicked, yes. desperately sick. So I would never look at one of my kids that I love dearly and say, "Okay, hey, I got somebody I want you to follow." Oh, by the way, they're they're desperately sick. They're evil. They're full of evil desires. Great. Always point. follow them. Always listen to what they say. No, that's terrible advice. You know. And so our heart, and we know this from the Bible, literally the word heart, you can take the Greek word for it, cardia, which where we get the word cardiologist from, a heart doctor, literally means your emotions, your feelings, the center of your desires. And so that's exactly what culture is saying, right? Whatever your desires tell you, whatever your feelings tell you, that's what you should do. Mm-hmm. Well, no, the response of that is we need a heart surgeon, Jesus, to change our heart. And then we ask the Holy Spirit to lead our emotions. Our emotions should be our tool, not our God. Yes. Yeah, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, right? And so, and God will give you the desires of your heart when they're in God's will. So we need the the Holy Spirit to lead our heart. We need the Bible to lead our heart. See, what I say is we take our feelings and we spread them across God's word. And anytime our feelings don't line up with God's word, it's not God's word that needs to change. It's our feelings. Right. But see, culture does the opposite of that. They just say, okay, here's God's word. Or here's Jesus, here's God, here's our feelings over here. So God needs to change to match our feelings. We need to change the word of God to match our feelings. And at the end of the day, our opinions about Jesus doesn't change who he is. What? You hear this everywhere. Mm -hmm. Just follow your heart. Yeah. No, my heart led me to be divorced to an abusive Mm. man. That's where my, that's Mm. what my emotions, my desires, that's what they wanted. And it led me to destruction, Mm -hmm. which is when, of course, I found God. Okay. I want to make sure we have time for this. Believe in yourself. Mm -hmm. This, uh, like, uh, we'll probably get emails. Don't email me. (laughs) I know what I'm saying. Um, I, 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 um, I wrote a book called I Am Rehab. It released in August. And I write a whole section about believe in yourself, have self-confidence, have, you know, you just need to have a better self-esteem. Tell me why. So they'll can email you. Tell me why that's a lie. Yeah. You know, first of all, let me say this. God is not anti-self-esteem, right? And the Bible is not anti-self-esteem that really you'll be at your best mm-hmm. when you realize that you are an image of, you know, you're created in God's image. Yes that you're believing in someone greater than yourself, you're following someone greater than yourself. Because if we just get raw and honest, um, you know, besides the enemy, my second greatest enemy is myself. No one has lied to me more than I've lied to myself. No one has criticized me more than I've criticized myself. How about this? No one's puffed me up more than I've puffed myself (laughs) up, you know? And it's really, if you think through all, once again, that was kind of the word of Satan to Eve. God, Mm -hmm. you can be your own God believe in yourself. Yeah. Uh, and then all throughout the old Testament, that was one of the condemnations of God against Israel. They did whatever was right in, in their, their own eyes. eyes. And then Jesus, think about when he said, Hey, you want to follow me in Matthew 16, 24, he said, Hey, you want to follow me? Believe in yourself. That's mm-hmm. not what he said. I think he said the exact opposite of Deny that. Yourself. Deny yourself, yeah. pick up your cross and follow me. So here's the deal is that we don't believe in ourselves. We believe in someone bigger than ourselves. And that when we have that prayer, John the Baptist, may I decrease, may he increase, and he'll do exceedingly abundantly more through us than we could ever hope for ourselves. that we're the best version of ourself when we are following Christ and believing in someone bigger than ourselves. And it also says crucify yourself, mm-hmm. pick up your yeah. cross and follow me. And I think um, that is one thing that we are so lacking in our, no one wants to crucify themselves. Who mm. wants to be crucified? No. My goodness. But that is the sweet spot right there. You know, dying to yourself, picking up your cross and following the Lord. I didn't, I didn't find any purpose in myself until I purposefully uh, denied myself, mm. crucified myself, mm-hmm. 
and picked up my cross and said, I surrender whatever you want. Because look at where I got myself. Divorced mm. at the age of 22, kicked out of my church. Mm. Um, okay, 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 okay. I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed. <laughs> We're going to run out of time. Um, I I would love to talk about God gain another angel, but mm. uh, why, why do people say that? Yeah. I feel like it's so self it It's very, it's not in the Bible, people. Go ahead. No, yeah. And I think, you know, and I say this because it's real easy um, for me because I can have a, somewhat of a snarky attitude, you know, mm-hmm. and so it's real easy to say, man, these can come across as snarky and it's not at all. I think often we can share these and it's we share them because we're trying to help somebody. Right. right? We don't know yeah. what to say. Yeah, we don't yeah. know what to say. And so here's the deal. Here is a greater encouragement. You know, if someone is at a funeral and they're grieving because they lost a loved one and goes, you know, God needed another angel, so he took my grandpa. That's probably not the best place to get in a theological debate, right? right? But when emotions are set to the side, cooler heads heads can prevail. Really, what's going to get them through the dark night of soul better is God's truth that is infinitely better, which is this. If they knew Jesus, if they were bought with the blood of Jesus, had the Holy Spirit of God, then they are not being called home to go play harps on clouds for Mm -hmm. all eternity. They're going to be with Jesus Mm -hmm. where there is no more sin, no more death, no more destruction, no more racism, no more uh, suffering. And so it's much better truth to say, no, no, God's not bringing home an angel. He's calling home a worshiper. And if you think about it, that's even better than being angels because even first Peter says that the angels desire to look into, and I'm paraphrasing our relationship with God, that Christ came to the earth not for angels, but mm-hmm. for humans. Christ died on the cross, not for angels, but for humans. Christ busted out of the grave, not for angels, but humans. Mm-hmm. So it's really even better to be called home as a worshiper of Jesus. That's, that's so good. Bravo, Shane. Bravo. <laughs> um, there's like seven more. I want to talk in the time that we have left about God just wants me to be happy. Yeah. Once again, God's not anti-happy. What I'm talking about is the world's definition of happiness. So basically, it's a feeling. And if my circumstances are right, then I have that happy feeling. If I don't, my circumstances aren't right, then I don't have that happy feeling. And so what you're allowing to happen is outward circumstances to dictate inward feelings. And that's dangerous because happiness can come and go with a phone call, mm-hmm. right? Happiness can come and go with a Facebook post. So what I say is joy is <laughs> better, <true>. right? <laughs> joy is better. And the reason joy is better is that joy is not built on circumstances. It's built on a person named Jesus. And once again, if you have the spirit of Christ in you, no matter what you're going through, you can have joy because your God is with you. So good day, joy, difficult day, joy. Think about it. The apostle Paul sitting in a prison cell writes mm. this to the church of, of uh, Philippi in Philippians 4. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. How does he do that in a prison cell? Mm -hmm. Those aren't good circumstances. He's probably not happy. But the reason he has joy in a prison cell for preaching the gospel is because the spirit of Christ is with him in that prison. Happiness is such a fleeting Mm -hmm. thing to like. I've never told I love my kids. Of course, I want them to be happy. I want them to live a good life. But in the reality of it, some of the most incredible moments of my life were moments where in the moment I didn't feel happy. Mm. I felt the trial. I felt the, um, the sharpening of the Lord in my life, which produced joy, which is what you're talking about. No doubt. You know, and I love to use this illustration. Like I love the mountains and snow. My wife is the opposite. She loves sun and beaches. Right? I love her. Yeah. But, in the, <laughs> but if you've ever noticed, like you go to Colorado, the Rocky mountains, see in, in faith, we always want these mountaintop experiences. But if you've ever noticed that the peak of the mountain, nothing grows up there. It's mm-hmm. just rock. All the life is in the valleys, the trees, Ooh, the good. grass, 
the the towns, the life is in the valley. So the same thing with our faith. Yeah, it's great to have those mountaintop experiences, mm-hmm. but most of our growth is going to come in those valleys of life because sometimes it takes hitting rock bottom to land upon the rock who is Jesus. You know? That's so true. I uh, so true. This book, y'all, y'all <laughs> have to go pick up this book. I got one more question for you. Shane Pruitt, go get it everywhere books are sold, I'm assuming. Um, nine Common Lives Christian be- Christians Believe. If this is, if you've turned up the volume, which of course you have, you're listening to the Autumn Mile Show, um, go, go get it. And if you're like, um, man, I'm striving for happiness, or I mean, there's there's so many that we didn't even get to. Um, you're sort of believing this lie. God, God's not going to give me more than I can handle, which is not scriptural either. Um, go pick this up. And I, I know there's tons of truth in here to really challenge you. What do you want readers take away? Yeah, more than anything, I just want them to take away this. At the end of the day, you got to ask yourself, am I at the center of my own universe or is Christ at the center? And if you're at the center, probably the reason you feel so much stress, anxiety, worry, maybe bouts of depression is because you're trying to do a job above your pay grade. Mm. It's not your job to be God. It's God's job to be God. And he's very good at his job. So take that pressure off your shoulders and put it on his by faith. And he's very good at it. God's yeah. good at what he does. He's good at it. I, I just put out that on uh, social the other day. God's good at being God. Mm-hmm. Um, awesome. Shane, thank you so much for being with us today. Love this book. I hope it's a New York Times bestseller <laughs> times a million of all time. Um, it's such needed truth. Thank you guys for listening. Go check out this book. Pick it up. Buy it. Buy it for your neighbor. Um, and you can catch me right back here tomorrow at 3.30 on The Automile Show. The Autumn Miles Show is listener supported and your donation to keep her on the air is much appreciated. To make a donation, visit autumnmiles.com. And if you make a donation of $100 or more, you'll receive an autographed copy of her book of the month. This program is underwritten by Mary Maids of Fort Worth. Your future starts now. Thanks for listening and join us next time for the Autumn Miles Show on the Word 100.7 FM.